Welcome to Women of Grace in the Marketplace on TalkEerie.com. Here's Janelle Keith and Lori Clapper. Today's special guest is, and I say that every time, don't I, Lori? I Today's know. special well, guest is. All our guests are so amazing. They're incredible. All all different experiences, but it's so inspiring to hear from all of them. So yeah, she is there, a special guest. <laughs> th- that is true. This one is special to my heart, and she's a good friend, mentor, teacher, uh, just a uh, a great person all the way around, well-rounded. You know, what What more can I say? She's a barista and a baker, and oh. she and her husband, Brian, uh, operate a ministry called 611 Bakehouse. It's one of my favorite hangouts. And so without further ado, I'll let you, you know, welcome Tina in. Yes, welcome, Tina. Thanks so much for spending this time with us today. You have coffee right there beside you. <laughs> I have coffee. Of course. You must have the greatest coffee at home, Tina, as your barista. <laughs> or do you just go for, you know, normal everyday coffee when you're just hanging around the house? <laughs> well, it's actually just black coffee this morning, so I guess it is normal everyday coffee today. <laughs> all right. All right. That's okay. That's okay. Just in her ability to drink black coffee, it just amazes me. That in so. itself. Yeah, I'm not a I'm coffee not that drinker. Girl. No. <laughs> Yeah, I started off with tea this morning, so. <laughs> well, now she's hitting the hard stuff. <laughs> well, well, we know you can make some awesome coffee. Uh, you're a baker. So can you share a little bit more about your backstory and how you ended up where you are today, Tina? <laughs> well, I don't know how far you want to go back, but um, I, I really didn't have in mind to be a baker or barista, you know, growing up. I... Um, baked with my mom in the kitchen. That's pretty much how my mom and I connected the most. And I was more of a person that would be outside in the garage with my dad tinkering around. I was a tomboy and um, spent time playing outdoors all the time. So um, when Brian and I got married, we both had grown up in Christian homes, but uh, slacked off after we got married. My grandpa married us. He was a preacher. And um, we didn't follow through when he said, you know, find a church home. We just kind of slacked off on that. And so we spent probably the first 25 years of our marriage exploring other things. I still felt like I had God in my heart, um, but I wasn't very good at arguing. And my husband had grown up in a family where arguing was a sport. I would keep things to myself. And so he could win any argument. I would just kind of just give in and I'm not very good on confrontations. So I would just kind of keep things inside and, um, then it came a turning point for him when he decided really for himself to um, come back closer to God. He, his parents had been through a horrible divorce, kind of drove him away from the church and things like that. And so um, we started exploring going to church. Our daughter was involved in a community play and all the kids there went to the first Christian church. And um, that was actually the church that I had grown up in. And so uh we started going back there and became more involved with that. And then we started going to Life Church. And uh, both of us got jobs there without interviewing. And then all of a sudden, Brian was, as he was driving to work, God was saying, uh, You're going to plant a church. And he's like to himself, No, I have to be tuned into the wrong channel because I am not, um, I've just been a Christian for, you know, a year and a half or whatever. But um, he finally started listening to God. And of course, when he started, He's an ISTJ personality type on the Myers-Briggs, and so he keeps things in for a long time, and by the time I hear about him, he's already mulled them over and come to some sort of conclusion, you know, over months and months. 
And I had just gotten my job at Life Church like a few weeks before. And he says, we're going to plant a church. And I'm very emotional. And I just like started crying. I'm like, how can this be? I just started doing this. So it took a lot of um, time over my part to come to the same conclusion that I would be on board with this. And I kind of called myself the ball and chain because we were very settled in to where we were. We lived on my parents' property. My parents' health wasn't good. We had a child in high school, two in college at the time. We both had very good jobs, retirement insurance, you know, all the things that go along with uh, being successful in, you know, what our country or our community sees. So it didn't feel like it was right just to give up, uh, give up all that and just go with something that didn't have a paycheck, something brand new. We'd never done anything in business. Both of us had been public school teachers. I had homeschooled for 11 years, um, even though I worked from home for OSU. So, uh Start doing this was way outside either one of us comfort zone and um, had to really, really rely on God to to start this. So so when Brian came to you and said, we're going to plan a church, you kind of led into those feelings of surprise and shock. How did you know? How did God confirm that for you? Well, I, I can remember um, lying in bed one afternoon and we're just talking and talking about it. And I'm just very emotional, crying, thinking, how can we leave my parents after we told them we'd be here for them? You know, Brian's a junior in high school. How can, you know, she was very involved in orchestra. They didn't have an orchestra in Perry. And that ends up, of course, that's what she's gotten her master's degree in. How could we expect her to change, which we didn't. She kept going to Stillwater um, because her older sister lived there and she could live part-time with her. But um, I, I I just needed to have a fast because, like I said, I was the ball and chain. I was what was holding us back. Now, granted, mind you, it had been on his mind for a long time, and he had gone through all these feelings himself mm-hmm. of, you know, not wanting to say yes to God. And uh, the thing is, we had both we had both gotten on our knees and prayed, God, use us for whatever you want. We were in our forties by the time we came to Christ, and um, we prayed this prayer. So you can't pray the prayer and then not say yes. I'm still <laughs> being the selfish person that I am. I, I still didn't want to leave my comfort zone. And so I knew I had to go on a fast for some kind of breakthrough because it wasn't going to come from me saying yes, because in my selfishness, I would want to stay where I felt comfortable. I felt like I already was working at a church with an amazing team of people doing an amazing job, not me doing an amazing job, the church doing an amazing job of reaching people, lost people and, I didn't, I had just made the change. So how can I make another change? (laughs) Right, 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 right. Yeah. So you have these, uh, an acronym, SOS. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking back in my, um, I found my prayer journal during that time. And um, I was really in, at that time, I was reading Ruth a lot. And I wanted to read Ruth. I had gone through it four times because I wanted to be, if somebody, um, asked me the story, I would just be able to tell the story of Ruth. And Mm. so when I'm talking about, you know, getting into this, it's like December 29th of 2009. So um, I I have prayed pray for me to die to myself and my desires, my longings, et cetera, that come from my human nature, not from my spirit nature. Pray for me to fully submit my life to your will. Let this fast show me how to embrace becoming nothing to me and everything to you. Show me how to be a good wife and mom and how to rid me of myself. And then I put from Job, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. And um, 
So on the evening on the drive home, loud and clear, God said to me, surrender your will to me, obey me and submit biblically to Brian. Serve others sacrificially is the key to following me. So the first SOS was surrender, obey, submit. And the second one is serve others sacrificially. And wow. I, wow. that's that's what got me. And then, and then I got to eat dinner when I got home because it's like, <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of day three. <laughs> like, no, okay, that's it. <laughs> now I can eat. <laughs> can now celebrate. I can eat. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah but... Obviously, I didn't, you know, I didn't get through it. You know, that's just the breakthrough. Then you have to actually live it after right. that. Exactly. Right. You have to implement the plan that God has set before you. Yes, which was, exactly. Had to be increasingly hard as you started to unfold all of these plans of planting a church. That's no easy task. No, and it's not anything that was in our wheelhouse. I mean, yeah. We're trained as public school teachers. We had both. The, the funny thing was we'd always worked. In, we were both teachers, but not in the same school building. We both worked at OSU Career Services, but in different aspects of that. And we both worked at Life Church on different campuses. And now God's asking us to work together side by side uh, virtually 24 hours a day. So, you know, luckily, <laughs> luckily we like each other and right. we get along really well. So the, the God was just drawing us closer and closer, more narrow and more narrow so that we would be used to being with each other all that time. Well, and good hmm. news is if you, uh, if things went south at any time, you did have your SOS that you can look at. <laughs> SOS, God, yes. SOS. Okay. So yeah. mother sacrificially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. You had those. Yeah. But Hey, you know what? We laugh about that, but <laughs> maybe that was his sign to you. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. that's we that word. Those few words from God is the only thing that gets us through, you yeah. know, to yeah. completing what he has you set before you to do and you're still doing it to this day fast forward now yes. they're they're embracing the ministry for how many years almost 15 years close to that about 13 and well, we yeah. came in 2009 it took a year before we got the shop open wow but we were already having church services before then right right wow that's interesting that's that that's that long obedience in the right direction you know that's what we talk yeah. about all the time yeah it's in exactly what I wrote down because um, Urban Rutherford came here early on, like 2010, maybe, and this was giving, it was like a few a few days he was here and he would have meetings down in what was then Hebrews before we changed it to 611 Bakehouse. And I had written in this small little journal, I had all the notes that he gave us and he, you know, because of his ministry over in Asia. And he said, um, long obedience in the same direction is what earns people, you know, bringing them closer into Christ. And it's exactly what we've done here. I mean, we very much listened to what he said and felt like that's what we've done, even though there's been a little, you know, a few changes in hours and changes in the way we do things here on the little, uh, I guess, the particulars of the ministry. But we still had the same, you know, long obedience in the same direction. And God, when he called us here, was like, you know, you're going to build relationships you're going to um, bring churches together, and then we're going to transform the community through that. We never knew what transforming the community looked like, um, and we still don't. It's it's not transformed. It's transforming, and mm. we want to be a part of that transformation in serving others, and um, that's what we feel we do best is just we're right here where they need us, um, and, you know, there's been several things that have happened in this community, like the Presbyterian Church burned down. And that day, 
the, the, the minister was camping with his son on a Boy Scout trip far away where he was out of touch. He didn't even know when it happened, but his wife came into the shop that day and sat down with us. And the entire time she was sitting with us and talking with us, not a single other customer came in. And she was probably there 30 minutes. And she goes, I just feel like that this place is an oasis of grace. I can come in here and I feel the Holy Spirit here. Now, other people will come that maybe aren't believers. They won't ever say the words Holy Spirit, but they're like, I feel a certain peace when I'm here. I feel like I am away from the worries of the world. I can sit here and spend time here, enjoy a drink, enjoy a sandwich or a baked good. But I um, I just feel different when I'm here. And, and we know it's the Holy Spirit. And if they're open to using that terminology, of course, we use it with them. But if they're not, we're just going to say, enjoy this time here, enjoy this space. And we want God to love on them through however he reaches them, not necessarily by us, you know, preaching the gospel to them or necessarily saying a Bible verse or whatever. We're, we're going to let the Holy Spirit do that work while we do the work of serving them. That makes sense. Absolutely. And on that note, we do have to take a break. Uh, we're with Tina Ahern, and we will be back in just a couple minutes here on Talk Erie. It's Women of Grace in the Marketplace. Stay tuned. Women of Grace in the Marketplace will be right back on TalkErie.com. Thank you for joining us on Women of Grace in the Marketplace. We're with Tina Ahern, and we just heard the inspirational story of how she and her husband had great jobs. They were in a community that they loved. They were with family or near family, and how God just kind of called them out of that to plant a church, and and all that, all the thought and the emotion that went into making this complete change. Tina, again, welcome to Women of Grace in the Marketplace. Thank you. Now you found out. Once God positioned you to be uh, church planters, so then you think, what do we do next? Is that the way it happened, or did he give you the idea at the same time? Well, luckily, Brian, in his position at Life Church, he was working directly with other churches that were wanting to join in with Life Church and use their resources. And through that, he met a person named Barry Wooster. And he was a leader of H2Ochurch.tv in Ada at the time. And they had a coffee shop along with their church down there. And so actually, Barry was the one that was helping us plant the church here. We were originally an H2Ochurch.tv plant. And Brian really followed his lead because, of course, we'd never planted a church before. We're very new in this whole thing. And so he was really following the lead of Barry. And um, Barry was kind of the mastermind behind us doing the shop here. Brian had a prayer meeting. We didn't know exactly where we were being called out to in our minds. We thought maybe it was Wichita or some other larger uh, community. But he had a prayer meeting with Barry and a couple of other men, um, one of whom he did know and the other two he didn't. And they had a quiet time during their prayer after some discussion. And the person had said, let's directly pray about um, Brian and Tina and where they're going to go. And three people got the word Perry, Oklahoma, when they prayed, the other person got the um, word passport. And he defined passport in his mind as the coffee shop will be the passport into the community. Because Mm -hmm. Perry already has nearly 20 churches. And it wasn't that they needed another church. It was maybe that they needed another way to reach people through a unique partnering with the church and a coffee shop. So that's really how it came about. And he was very much involved in us planting here and 
you know, teaching us. He and his wife and son and adopted daughter lived here for three years in the building where we are. So we very much had guidance from him and all his years as being a pastor. Wow. Awesome. So how did you draw upon your baking and barista skills from from this kind of a, a setting? I mean, do you walk in and say, OK, I'm going to do this, this and this? Or did God have to, <laughs> to build that up in you? Well, I definitely had never been a um, professional baker trained or anything like that. I just loved food. <laughs> and, it's a good place to start. Know, it was, <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. And coming out, I mean, I, I have a complicated relationship with food, as Janelle well knows. I yes. overcame an eating disorder. I was a gymnast in high school and was bulimic and had several years of disordered eating. And coming away from that, I um, originally had majored in nutrition, ended up becoming an elementary school teacher. I just didn't feel like I could deal with food and food issues all of my life. And much like Janelle and I have talked for many times is that I feel like, you know, Paul had his thorn in his side and that food issues has been my thorn. But I also know that God uses all things for good. And I think he's turned that around and helped me use it for good to serve other people. While at the same time, I still have struggles, um, not with eating disordered part, but just with food in general and not letting it be the center of my life when I know it should not be. But um, as far as baking, I mean, I love to bake for my family, for my kids. One time, it was very funny at home. I was in the kitchen getting ready to make some cookies. And um, in our mobile home, there was a half wall that was over the hallway, and the kids' bedrooms were on the other side. And I just bent down, and when I was getting the bowl out to make the cookies, it made kind of a clank. And Brianne yelled from the other room, you making cookies, Mama? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all it took was the clanking of the bowl for her to know. So making cookies was natural. Making muffins was natural. And I decided to make scones for our shop because it wasn't something that's well known in this part of the country. And a lot of people are like, what's a scone? (laughs) And it's actually become something that's one of their most favored items in our shop. And so um, that just became kind of a signature item for Six Living Big House. Wow, that's all. I was going to say scones are kind of uh, what you do with coffee in the Northeast. <laughs> so yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. You got to introduce something new, and and that that's pretty amazing, though. That you uh, just your love for baking and your love for people and serving others has uh, has developed into this amazing ministry. And it seems like there is a lot that you're doing. Uh, obviously, you have your calling to serve others sacrificially, but how or do you really balance all of those multiple roles that you take on in what you, you address? <laughs> She's laughing. So, yeah, yeah, what's balance, right? But, yeah, yeah. How, do you, what, how do you do all yeah, that? What is balance? Yeah. Well, it's an ongoing challenge, of course, because mm-hmm. um, before doing this, you know, like, you know, my kids now are in their – 30s and late 20s and at the time you know they were late teens and early 20s when we started this 13 years ago so you go from the role of being um mom wife uh you know you're an employee and all those things daughter we lived on we lived on the property and then taking care of my parents and after my dad passed away it was more of a role of taking care of my mom you have all these multiple roles you fill And then how do you fill the one that is the baker barista, your daytime job, you know, which you're putting most of your energy towards? It's a challenge. And I feel that the biggest thing is that I have to be intentional about making time and space. And that's one thing Brian and I have talked about a lot is a Sabbath. How do we create a Sabbath when we go from like when we first planted, it was seven days a week, even though my parents both said, you guys are going to burn out. And we're like, well, we didn't listen to their wisdom at the time. And 
we've gone through different things where we don't do Saturdays now since the pandemic, we just wore ourselves out. So um, we've gone to where we turn off our phones Friday night and leave them off for 24 hours. We don't do it every single weekend, but we try to. We try to get away from technology for at least a day. And usually our day is Saturday when we try to do those things to feed ourselves. We get up at 345, and even though we don't go downstairs till 5, so we each in our separate places, he's downstairs in his little office and I'm upstairs having our quiet time and some time for exercise. And um, it, it just takes, I would say, intention the most because if not, everything else will grab your attention. Wow, that sure will. Wow, it'll, and it'll place. drain you quickly, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So uh, we're talking to Tina Ahern. She is she and her husband are church planters. They lead a church, also a corresponding uh, bakery and coffee house uh, in Perry, Oklahoma. Uh, when we come back, we're going to find out more about what they do and you know some wisdom that they've learned along the way. So stay tuned, Women of Grace in the Marketplace on Talk Erie. Welcome back to Women of Grace in the Marketplace. And today, Tina is telling us all about her role as baker and barista at 611 Bakehouse and 611 Church, as I attend on a weekly basis. And tell us about some of the transforming lives that that God is doing, the, the changed lives that are God is is working through your ministry. Well, it, sometimes people don't share, so you don't know all of the stories. <clears throat> and then there's other times when people have told you how you've impacted their life and you're just blown away because it doesn't feel like on a day-to-day basis, you kind of feel like you're on Groundhog Day because every single day is very, very similar to the day before, same tasks, same things you're doing. And what makes it different is the people. And that's what keeps us going because if it weren't for the people, it would just be a daily grind of no purpose, you know, there'd be no purpose in it. It's the people that makes a difference. Um, and probably one of the first examples was when the Presbyterian church burned down. And the thing was at the time we lived right behind the alley. We lived in an apartment right behind the alley of the Presbyterian church. And I woke up that morning and looked out the door and there was just flames and smoke. And I ran back to the bedroom. I said, Brian, I think the church is on fire. And little did I know that they were already putting out the fire we lived close to the fire station. And like I said, I love sleep, but I must have slept through all the sirens and everything. So um, that day, you know, of course, when um, when she came in to the coffee shop was just us listening to her saying how our place was an oasis of grace to her. She would come in and meet with a friend and at least once a week and have coffee or tea or whatever. And we didn't know how much she valued the space until she told us that day and how she felt like of all the places in Perry. Now, granted, we'd only been here a year or two when that happened and that she felt that coming to us was a place that she felt safe and that she could come to, especially when they still were trying to reach her husband and get contact with him. So that's like one of those first like aha moments that makes you think, you know, it's more than just the drinks. It's more than just the scones. Mm -hmm. Another instance was a customer who is now, he's been on our board for quite some time And he came in and he would always order an over-iced caramel latte with an extra shot. 
And we knew his name, we knew his drink, and we didn't have to say his name. He would come in and we'd just start making the drink. Well, he reached out to us and asked if he could have dinner with us. And he came to our house, we had dinner, and he shared with us that he was going through a really bad divorce. And he felt free enough and open enough to share that with us, even though he only knew us as his coffee makers, you know. But he since has told us, it's, he goes, it's because you knew my drink, it's because you knew my name that I felt that it, you were people that I could share what the hurt that I was going through at the time. Mm. We have another lady, she and her husband, he's very involved with, um, he's a world, he's a Vietnam veteran. He's involved in that group here. And <clears throat> they, she had come in, she gets a frozen white chocolate, 20 ounce with whipped cream. She always grabs her own straw, even though I try to give her a straw. She always holds it. My straw. But, um, they came in one day and they looked particularly sad and we're like, you know, what, what's going What's up? what's up, Pam? And she's like, well, I wanted to let you know that my son passed away last night. He's had, um, he has developmental delays and he's lives, uh, you know, on his, with a group home, I guess, probably in a different community, but he got very ill and he died. And she said, I felt like since because you make my coffee, we needed to let you know. Mm. And that was another instance of sharing a very, you know, very emotional time. It was something very personal. We didn't even know she had a son that was like this. We didn't know that he had been ill or anything. Um, Brian has married some of our customers. We've actually married a couple in the back room. That's awesome. Uh, they, they wanted an out, yeah, they wanted an outdoor wedding. It was December 12th. I mean, it, come on, the weather was not cooperating. So we got <laughs> married in the big house with their kids alongside them. It was kind of cute. Um, he's also buried parents of customer, customers of ours. I think he's done a couple of funerals. And those are just not things that I would think that if you go to a normal Starbucks or any other coffee shop that they ask people to do is these personal, yeah. personal things. So we've gotten to be a part of a private part of people's lives as opposed to just being, you know, where they come and order something. Right, right. They notice the difference. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. And I'm blown away by how God can use us in our daily service to reach those people. So when you come to, when somebody comes and just pours out their heart to you, you listen. You don't just cast it off as, you know, another no. prayer request. No, you take no. action on that. Yeah. Well, and I've always been a good listener. I'm, I'm a much better listener than I am a talker. I feel like my thoughts kind of go all over the place and I get a little jumbled when I talk. It's not cohesive. I can write better than I can talk. I can keep it on the paper. And when I start talking, my thoughts just go kind of wild. So I'm very good at listening whenever I've taken any kind of, um, I guess, personality thing. Uh, empathy always comes out as my biggest strength. So I, I very easily can put myself in somebody else's shoes. I can identify with their stories. And, and like the same time it was when we had um, the Presbyterian minister's life here. And I'm, I'm trying to remember her name. It's driving me crazy. They've moved to Texas and I've not been in touch with her. But God almost always provides that space. Whenever t somebody gets into a deep issue and is talking to us, it's as if no customers come in. And then after we're done talking, they start trickling in just like they, you know, they, God had provided a, a space, you know, like she said, that oasis of grace. Mm -hmm. And also um, people like when they come in a second time and we know their name or we know they're going to order. They're like, you guys have such great memories. Now, some of those times we're relying on Sierra, a worker who's been with us for more than 10 years because she's young and she has an excellent memory and she's lived here all her life. So she can <laughs> yeah. remember names till we can. Right. But um, other times you just remember their drink and they're just like amazed like I've only been here one time and it's just you know, kind of a quirk of my brain I remember things that sometimes don't seem important but <laughs> I guess it is very important yeah. 
yeah, you never know when it's going to come in handy or touch someone's heart, right? <laughs> yes. Well, yes. yeah, Tina, you shared uh, a little while back in the show about how your husband first had the calling from God to, to church plant and had uh, kind of everything figured out, or so he said, when he finally came to you to... Um, uh, to, for you to contemplate and to pray over and to to figure out as well, because it was a, a big calling, something that you weren't uh, familiar with. Uh, so in your experience, as you've gone through this process to church plant, do the coffee house, and over the years that you've um, um, this, the, you've taken this journey, what would you share with someone who's thinking about, who's been calling to start a new business or maybe start a new ministry? Like what, what would you say to them or what steps would you say to take? Well, I'd say at first, if you believe it in your heart and you feel like you've been given a calling, whatever kind of business it is, it doesn't have to be planting a church or starting a coffee shop. If you really have a passion for it and you believe in it, then go for it. I'd say also ask for help. You know, there's so many people that are surrounding you, whether it's family, friends, those that have gone before, um, even online, if you can find somebody that's done something similar and try to start a conversation, asking for help is a huge deal. There is no way in the world we could have ever done this on our own. We had so many people come and volunteer and help us do things. We didn't have money. We had people that came and painted walls. We do all the inexpensive things, mud the ceilings, you know, paint, scrape off stuff, you know, things that didn't cost money. I would also say rely on others' knowledge and experience for people that have gone before you. Uh, find a mentor, find somebody that can help you and pull you along, give you guidance and encouragement because you'll need that. But you'll have times when you're like, what the heck are we doing? I can remember a particular time when Brian and I were sitting in the car in our little carport at our previous apartment. And we were just both sitting there thinking, what are we doing here? You know, we had this kind of feeling like we wanted to flee. Like, let's get out of here. It's just too much. You know? it, gets, it gets overwhelming and um not that you ever feel all alone because it's it's the reaching out. For us, that's probably the hardest part is reaching out to others. We're both introverts working in an extroverted world all day long, and it just it saps your energy. It saps your battery. You need time to fill that back up. So also remembering that if you're starting a business, take into account what your personality is like. Do you need to be around a lot of people? Do you need some time to reflect and be on your own? Uh, take care of yourself in the midst of planting or starting your own business, I'd say. Mm. Wow. Good advice. I wouldn't have even thought about that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and plan to make time for that because mm -hmm. life can easily fill in all those extra moments, those down times. And, but you and Brian have a plan. I mean, look at the way you're, you know, intentionally seeking out a Sabbath, you know, you purposely turn off your phone. And so that, that really inspires me. <laughs> Yes, I'm terrible at that. It's a challenge for you. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is a challenge because we get caught up in all the activity and the plans and the doing, doing, doing. We don't think about ourselves at all when we're, you know, setting out for this kind of a, a challenge. So it's, yeah. You're, it's, yeah, you can't serve others. You have to fill your cup up first before you can overflow onto other people. And mm -hmm. so filling up the cup, um, is very important and everybody's going to approach that in different ways. It could be group prayer. It could be quiet time with just you and God. It could be praying with your husband. It, um, it could be going out for a walk with your dog and just soaking in nature and just letting, you know, the Holy spirit speak to you. Uh, not necessarily sitting in a chair in a pious position and, you know, being like a monk, you know, mm -hmm. just 
feed yourself how it feels natural to you and how what you, how you get the most out of it. Some people that's movement. Some people that's sitting very still. Some people that's listening to music. It's just knowing yourself, I guess, well enough to know how you are fed the best. Yeah. yeah and I, going back to what you just said about knowing your personality type and how you are, I mean, like I think you and your husband uh, were brought to something totally out of your comfort zone. If you're both introverts to be called to, like you said, this extroverted world that you're now in and you're talking to people all the time and, and serving people. Uh, that's an excellent example of, of the way you feed that personality and that your natural tendency. So you can have the energy and, and the wherewithal and the, <laughs> and the peppiness exactly. to be a barista, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, another thing that you do, you're not just baker, barista, wife, and, you know, church planter. You are also a teacher, and before the pandemic, you were doing nutrition classes. Tell us how that came to be. Yeah, um, I think um, when you're a teacher, it's not necessarily a vocation. It's also a calling. I didn't want to be a teacher. My mom never encouraged me. She taught for 30 years. My grandparents were worked in the College of Education at OSU. It's just I have so many teachers in my family, I can't even keep count. I think I was just destined to be a teacher, even though I just really didn't want to. But anyway, I um, when I learned something and I felt like I when I learned about uh, whole food, plant-based living, my parents were both very ill at the time, heart disease and kidney disease, um, some diabetes, things like that. I saw how their lifestyle had contributed to that. And I really, at that time, Brian and I were slowly, as you age, you tend to gain a few pounds each year. And that was happening to us. And I read a, read a good book called Eat to Live by Dr. Joel Furman. And mm-hmm. we adopted that lifestyle. And since that time, it's like I, I consider myself a lifelong learner. And I read and read and read and read and read. And I watched documentaries and went to conferences. I felt like I had absorbed so much knowledge that that kind of part of my cup was overflowing. And I wanted to share it with other people. And a lot of people are scared to try something new or a new lifestyle. And I thought, well, how, I could show them how to make these recipes, how easy it is. And I invited people to come to these classes. Uh, of course, I was terrified to start. I, I took a online college course because I felt like I needed to have a certificate or something to say that I was uh, qualified to do this. But um, anyway, I started it in 2016, and we would have classes like every month. We'd have one class about the whole, what does it mean to be whole food plant-based? And then the next class would be a cooking demonstration. And eventually, we kind of developed a core set of people that would return to the classes. We'd have some that would come and go. And then we'd have potlucks. People would bring their dishes they they had learned how to make and sharing ideas. It's just, I'd be nervous when I started. But once I started, it was if time would fly. And the cooking, even if I'm goobered up on something, it didn't matter. We would still kind of laugh about it and say, well, we'll we'll try it again next time. You know, it's just... it was a natural overflow of what I loved. And I think when I love something, it's easy to share with others. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Dr. Joel Furman, she shared that book with me. She kept saying it was September of that year, 2012. I'll never forget it. She finally said, you've got to read this book. And it had (laughs) met such it made such a difference in her life and Brian's, you know, and she'd lost, I don't remember at that point, how much you had lost after reading that book, but it was, it met me at such an important point in my weight loss journey because it was the thing, the thing that triggered my success to today. It was 
And I still have that little card that she handed me and said, if you just pay, read the book and follow this for six weeks. And then I decided in my heart, I can do anything for six weeks. I did it. And here we are, 132 pounds later. So it's just, it's that much of an influence, this life-changing thing, you know, that she speaks of. No wonder we're accountability, you know, partners, Mm -hmm. because we keep each other accountable on that. And so you need that in your life, too, as you're starting something, a new business, whatever, a new venture. You've got to have that accountability in place that will listen to you, understand commiserate with you when it goes wrong and and encourage you when things are going right sure all right we do have to take a break here this has been some great stuff tina thank you so much and we'll come back with some takeaways from this episode of women of grace in the marketplace in just a minute Welcome back to Women of Grace in the Marketplace. We're with Tina Ahern. She, uh, she and her husband lead a church in Perry, Oklahoma. They also have a corresponding uh, uh, bakehouse and coffee shop. And she has just shared so much wisdom for faith and for business and, and just the importance of listening uh, to God and your calling. So, uh, Janelle, I'll go with you first. What is your takeaway from the show? Well, I have so much. Uh, it's a good thing we're friends on a daily <laughs> basis, right? But um, the, her SOS acronym, you know, still speaks to me today. You know, even though I know the backstory, uh, I heard it again. It still speaks to me. Uh, submit. Uh, sur- I'm going to get this wrong. Surrender, obey, and submit. You know, those still and serve others sacrificially. Those two uh, acronyms really speak loud. But the fact that they've created this atmosphere, this oasis of grace, those three words also stand out to me as that that's who we call to as God's children, is to provide an oasis of grace to the next person that comes along. Mm. Yeah, the good stuff. I think as you were talking about your experiences in the coffee shop and how people do share so openly with you, you were like, okay, I'm just making your coffee. Like, how is this possible, you know, that you're, uh, that you're sharing so openly about these uh, very personal things in their lives? And, and I think Janelle and I can kind of relate to that on some level, being Christian radio DJs, we get a lot of that same uh, feedback, but people realize just uh, that whether you're on the radio when they're listening to the radio or in your place, you've just, they can feel something different and that you have, you have been successful in creating a safe environment for people to come and, and to be able to uh, just enjoy their coffee and their baked goods. I mean, that's, that's the physical part of it. And just people love that anyway, but to be able to have people there that they trust, uh, even if that you are just making their coffee every day and, and they can see something different in you and, and what a great ministry and encouragement that is to me personally, you know, that uh, the ministry that you're doing, but for the people who come into your establishment every single day. So, so thank you for being such a beacon of hope and light uh, to your community. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely thank you so amazing. Much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, people always ask, you know, who's special about this or what's, you know, this drink or this baked good or whatever. And we always say, well, we have a special ingredient we put in it. And like, it's like, it's love. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. You also have a verse posted at the entryway of your uh, establishment saying it's, what is it, Matthew 611? Yeah, because when we changed the name to 611 Bakehouse, people didn't know where the 611 came from. Our address is 611 Delaware Street, so that's really where it came from. But at the time when we renamed it, I thought there has to be a verse somewhere. And I looked all through the Psalms and the Proverbs because I guess that just would make the most sense to me. But then I couldn't find anything there and went to the Gospels. And Matthew, being the first Gospel, went to chapter 6, verse 11, and it's, Give us this day our daily bread. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, God knew we were going to be here before we knew we were going to be here because he picked the perfect place, matched the address to the verse, you know, so. Nice. Nice. That's great. So if you're looking for someone, something delicious to fill your tummy or a delicious cup of coffee or just some companionship and a prayer and time to reflect, check out 611 Bakehouse. In 611 <laughs> Delaware, in Perry, Oklahoma. Yes, if you're in Perry, Oklahoma. The, I mean, now I want to go. I have to fly over there to know. <laughs> I'm due for a visit, right? <laughs> Another reason to come to Oklahoma, I know, Lori. I know. I'm overdue for a visit. So if I, if and when I do, the, we'll make that one of our first stops, definitely. And now, do you yeah. have a website or anything like that that uh, people can check out? If they're not local, they can check out your ministry and what you do? Yeah, we have 611bakehouse.com is our a website for our business. And um, since I'm not teaching classes in person anymore, since the pandemic, my husband and I started a YouTube channel last year. It's called the big B and little T it's on YouTube. And I do some cooking, you know, on there. We also do some camping, just regular lifestyle kind of stuff. So the people could reach us through that. Oh, very, very cool. Thank you so much again, Tina, for joining us here on Women of Grace in the Marketplace. It's been a delight talking to you. And don't forget that if you have questions for Janelle or myself or, or for Tina that you'd like us to pass along, you can email us at womenofgraceinthemarketplace at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. And you can listen to this podcast, this show, in its entirety later, if you didn't catch the whole thing, on Google or Spotify. We'll see you next time. Catch all the Women of Grace in the Marketplace podcasts anywhere at any time on WovenBooks.com.